You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR-positive HER2-negative NBC as the first hormonal-based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Yep, yep, ghetto boys is back and reloaded All in your mind, yeah, now deep-throated This is for the streets, the real, the railroaded The disenfranchised, the truth, the scapegoated And they know it, we speak the truth so they quote it Cause we wrote it, the north, south, the east coast It's the GB not we keeping your head bobbing It ain't no stopping And once the beat drops in By then, the system is so corrupt They throw the rock out their hands and then blame it on us It's GB don't get it twisted on code and we ain't dancing for no buttermilk biscuits it's Willie D, y'all. Scarface is in the building. Collectively, we are the Ghetto Boys. Reloaded. Reloaded with another episode of information and instructions to help you navigate through this wild, crazy, beautiful world. In the studio, Chingo Blaine. Burr, burr, burr. I need an air horn. <laughs> <laughs> Say, man. Ah, damn, Chingo. You, you know you're one man. of my favorite people on earth, right? Thank you, sir. Yeah, for real. I, I just don't get why you wore the Chingo Blink t-shirt, though. Man, we fucking wife, know who you are, I know, bro. man. I, I told my wife <laughs> it's going to be overdoing it. And she's like, well, we ain't got time. Throw it on. Is that so, is that ever weird to you when you wear your own? Because you, you, you know, had, had your own shirt, own shirt on, on yeah, the other day. It's, it's kind of creepy, and, man. And I had my creepy. shirt on. I ran. I, I ran. I jogged in my own shirt a couple of days ago. I I was hesitant about wearing it though. I'm, I'm gonna yeah. wear my own shirt, but Chingo, that's doing too it, much. It feels like too much self promotion, you know. It's, it, I at least didn't wear that matching hat with it, so Chingo bling. But if you won't wear your own, how do you expect somebody else to wear? It? True that. See, true that. That's what Slim do better than anybody. What's Slim that? Thug. Oh yeah, he'll rock his shit. Slim like Thug no wear that boss gear like it ain't shit. Like, shit, he's promoting the fuck out like, of this it. This mine, you know. Yeah, it's my shit. Yeah, love Slim. 
Man, Chingo, what's been up, bro? Man, just got back from Denver. Uh, oh, been... yeah, I know. I follow you. Thank you. Been yeah. doing stand-up. Bro, you know I came to see you at the Improv one yes, time. Yes, sir. Yeah, you came backstage. Yeah, I was yeah. like, man, face. I was like, what I was the like, hell? man, Chingo. Fucking Chingo bling, man. And then he went from, like, rapping Rap. his ass off yeah. to being, like, one of the funniest people on earth, dude. How does that happen? Man? How does one pivot from a successful rap career, not just a rap career, but a successful rap career, into a successful comedy career. Man, I always wanted to do stand-up. And my raps were always pretty comedic. Like, I was always having fun because I wasn't no gangster. You know what I mean? So I already knew if I wanted to get in a rap game, I was going to have to come from a different angle. Right. You know, enough people enough people were being serious and all that already. Yeah. So while some people were talking about trapping, whipping, cooking, I was like, well, we did tamales. Talking about you tamales. Yeah, he was talking about tamales. Yeah, I you was know, rapping. You know, you had the uh, tamale truck and all that stuff yeah. way back before having a truck, a food truck, was popular. Yeah, it might you have been. You had a tamale truck. Yeah, we, I ain't gonna lie, we did it more like as a... Uh, Joke? Almost like a, yeah, record but label was promotion. Good, yeah, we had it parked on the side of the freeway like at, <laughs> at, a, uh, at a, one of the flea markets. <laughs> we had to deal with the flea markets. It was like a billboard. It was are like... You, are you okay. serious? Are you fucking... No, I swear. No, are you serious? Oh, God I damn. swear. We were just trying to be like guerrilla marketing because, you know, at the time, you just had to get in where you fit in. I ain't mad at But I got a chance though. to start doing stand-up. So I was able to take the fact that I was comfortable on stage already, take the fact that I kind of knew how to write somewhat, and then I had to pivot and figure out, okay, I've been wanting to do stand-up. It seems like a fun job. Yeah. Something I can extend my career further and not have to, you know, be uh, in one lane. 75 years old rapping. And be in know, one lane. I know, the, I know the feeling. <laughs> hey, I'm 42, so I mean... You know, yeah. I'm up Tell on stage. Me, do you write your jokes down or you just fucking get up there and just say some shit like me? It, it's a combination. Once, you, okay. You, you got to leave some space for improv. Okay. So just like when you're in a booth, you want to might, might be loose with your ad-libs or try your delivery a little different way. Same thing. You know, you go on stage with the joke. The joke's always evolving. You're always it's polishing. All, dude, it's so fucking funny, editing. dog. It's so fucking funny, man. Like, I'll be watching your... Um, <clears throat> your Instagram page, right? <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> that boy put a sombrero on, a big ass cowboy hat, man, and just go the fuck off, man. <laughs> man, man shit, how do you feel about the comedians that write their jokes down on paper and then pull it out during the stand up routines and tell the joke? <clears throat> I think they call that like alt style, like alternative. It's like an Austin style. They A lot of times they cross their arm. They had an arm cross and they, you know, oh, what else, what else, huh? What else do we talk about? Hmm, let's see. And it's like a style that don't fit me because I came up off a comic view. I came up like some, Eddie Murphy, you know what I mean? Like Eddie Murphy raw delirious when I was a little bitty kid. My dad taught me how to cuss in Spanish. No Eddie way. taught me how to cuss in English. And I was like, this man hopping out of a helicopter wearing leather, talking so much mess. And I was like... You can say shit on here, bro. Perfect. I was like, how do I become a professional shit talker? It just changed my life. That's why, like, my, my dream... <laughs> before music, my dream was, like, comedy. And I always liked show business. So before I got into rapping, I was trying to, like, be somebody's manager, figure out how I could be the A&R, how I could be the DJ with a hot mixtape series. You know, you can rap in Spanish, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking dope, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's... That's dope. I wish I could rap in Spanish. With... 
My Spanish ain't as good as my English, though, but I get by. Man, I did I did all Spanish comedy in Mexico one time. I got reminded that I was American. <laughs> like my whole life, my whole my whole perspective on life growing up here in Houston is I'm a Mexican American. So I viewed I was viewing the world as Mexican American. I go out to Mexico to do all Spanish comedy. As soon as I land, the Uber driver, I, I see some people out there begging. And I ask the Uber driver, I'm like, hey man, what's going on? Unemployment? He's like, yeah, man, these are these people, these are our neighbors from the South. They come over here, they bring their problems. We need to build a wall, make Honduras, and El Salvador pay for it. What we gotta, the fuck? Yeah. They were like, we gotta be Mexico first. We already got our own problems. We got our own unemployment. <coughs> we got our own taxes. We got our own government corruption to deal with. And now we got more people. And I was like, you can't say that in America. He's like, we still got freedom of speech. <laughs> no shit, man. Wow. So I went to go do the show all Spanish, and uh, I just saw how rusty. My Spanish is cool over here. Yeah. But in Mexico, it's like, oh, you like, who the fuck is this guy? Where you from? Really? Yeah. So it's two different kinds of Spanish. It's just they hear the accent, man. If it's not your... Like my wife's Spanish over there in Mexico. She went with me. They were like, oh, okay. Are you from here? And she's like, no. (laughs) My parents just taught me that good Spanish. (laughs) Did you get shunned for not being as, I guess, fluent with your Spanish in, in Mexico? But you are fluent with your Spanish though, right? Yes, over here it's considered fluent. Mm-hmm. But like Willie said, over there they they'll they'll call you they'll call you um like pocho. What's a pocho? <laughs> it pocho. just it basically means Wait, like can black people say pocho? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sure? Yeah, I guess, yeah. It's I not it's know. not derogatory like that. It basically means like it's almost like a it's not like a a bastard in a way, but it's kind of like it's kind of like, oh, you from over there. You you you're a gringo. You from or something. yeah? You from, exactly. What's a gringo? It's like you American. You it's you're not like one a, of us. It's a derogatory term. Uh, it's a derogatory Spanish. It's term like saying it's people. like saying like almost like cracker in a way. In a way, <gasps> boy, you can't. Boop. In a way, I'm just telling y'all what the word is. I'm not saying well, it in she, context. She okay. yeah, it's all about con- we have context. There you go. It's first all of all, context. first of all, according to. The majority of America, I'm oppressed and I'm a victim anyway. So there's no way I could even, <laughs> there's no way I could even hurt anybody's feelings. God damn it. I'm not the oppressor. And he's a Trump supporter. I mean, Get you the fuck out of here, yeah, Chingo. Yeah, yeah, I did a 180. <laughs> I'm glad you now, brought now, it up now, early now, how in the interview. Now, how did, how did this transformation happen? How do you go from like being a mainstay in hip hop yeah. to being a being Trump supporter? Hardcore. Exactly. How did I go from being Mr. They can't deport us all to, well, we might want to listen. De- to- Trump can support us. <laughs> you said, you said it, it, one of your albums is titled, we, one of your, is your special. Uh-huh. Your yeah, special they can't called, deport us all. They can't deport us all. First you did, they can't deport us all in 2016. Did an album. And then 2017 you did, Trump can't um, deport us all. No, I don't, no, I didn't do then that. You, you didn't do the Trump? Nah. I thought no, you I did a Trump. Trump can't. Nah, it might have been an article where they tried to, like, put something like that in there. But basically, you know, I went from being Mr. They Can't Deport Us All, Mr. Like, you know, man, they holding us down. You know, we no no person is illegal. You know, if you want a border and you want walls, you racist. Um, America should be able to take in everybody, all the refugees, all the immigrants. That was, like, my first thing, right? Like, because at the time, George Bush... And everything, they kept scapegoating immigrants for everything. 
every time I turn on the news, it was like the border issue, the border this. And me being the son of immigrants, I didn't like how the media kept trying to scapegoat us. They kept trying to blame stuff on us. So I was very, like, in your face. I had a billboard off 610. They can't deport us all. I did a deal with Asylum. What the fuck? Yeah, I did a deal with Asylum Records, and I told them, <clears throat> this is what I want to name the album. And now fast forward. Now Trump's running for office. He comes down that elevator. He does that speech. I could have swore he called us racist, rapists. Uh, he did. They're bringing, they're bringing guns. Yeah, they're yeah. bringing drugs. Yeah, yeah we don't know worse. what they have. They're bringing criminals. Yeah, basically. So... I was not a fan of this dude. I used to like him as a kid. Like, oh, he's a dude with the buildings and the book and the movies. And, you know, he's Money. just, yeah, he's Trump. Yeah. We would rap about him. Yeah. It, it was nothing. Yeah, I fucking hate Trump. Yeah, so I, I did too. I didn't realize he was so fucking stupid, but go ahead. Yeah, so I, I didn't like him either at first. I was like, man, fuck this dude. I made shirts, koozies, hats, everything that said, fuck <laughs> Donald Trump. Nice. I sold a gang of them things. Nice. All kinds of stuff. Fuck Donald Trump. Chingle bling for president. Chingle bling. And uh, so then fast forward, 2020 happened, and I was at the house. <laughs> My tour was canceled. So now I'm, I'm starting to listen to, like, it's a dude named Scott Adams. He, um, he has a podcast. He, he, he came up making this comic called Dilbert, right? So he would go on daily deconstructing the news and showing how the media can be biased, showing how news could sometimes leave context out, showing how they could frame you. They can make you look however they want to make you look. And he was going, basically debunking some of the stuff where it's like, well, you know how they said Trump said this about the troops? Well, it was all based off anonymous sources and this and that. And just slowly showing me that sometimes the news be lying, right? Sometimes there's an agenda. So that, that, basically allowed enough space for me to keep an open mind where I'm like, okay, if they framing this dude and they lying about this and they lied to me about that, let me pay attention to what he's saying. So now I look at it like, even though he talks like a truck driver from Queens, right? <laughs> but he says things like, look, we got to bring back manufacturing. We had lowest unemployment. We don't need to be starting these new wars. So we had no new wars. Al-Qaeda didn't want no smoke. ISIS didn't want no smoke. Uh, pretty much had things pretty stable unless you watch the news, which made it seem like, oh, another bombshell. Oh, can you believe this dude? But it's like unemployment's low. You know what I'm saying? He donated or he's giving money to this or he's helping that. The border's under control, even though it was like, man, they got kids in cages. Now we got kids in cages, people under bridges, um, all kinds of shit. So and now... We just, and we just left Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not so, we, but they just left Afghanistan. Don't, I don't put me in the we when it comes to they. I don't. On, on the, no, me in the we with the they. Got mm -mm. <laughs> on the topic of employment, why do people, I guess conservatives, so readily give Trump credit for employment being so <clears> great <throat> when he inherited that from the previous administration that was ran by Barack Obama? That is true. Why does Trump get so much credit for the uh, economy when he didn't do anything? He did shit. When I he, can't he think of nothing he, he did. He didn't do any, <clears throat> anything to stabilize the economy. He just basically walked into a situation that was handed to him. Well, um, I agree. A lot of times presidents inherit good things and bad things from the prior, right? Because the way economics works, it takes a while, right? You get the remnants. Mm -hmm. Now, if we look at who's in office now, I mean, we could try and blame Trump for, like, what's happening now. We could try and figure out what to blame in terms of, like, who do we blame 
for what's happening now. What's happening so, now, Chingo? Well, well, let me back up a little bit. Go ahead. To, to answer Willie's question about, like, why the conservatives give him so much credit. Um, I believe, from, from my knowledge, I'm not an economic expert, but... Uh, but Willie is. <laughs> but go ahead. So, so, yeah, we just shooting the shit, right? It's, you know, I'm, I'm all layman's terms. So, Trump's economic team were people like Dr. Peter Navarro, who they would, um, like, their equations and how they do their formulas and shit... It's considered like America first policies. So right now, <clears throat> they're criticizing the Biden administration because inflation, they, they print 1.9 trillion for this, 1.9 trillion for that. It's like trillions, trillions. All that spending, they're going to have to find a way to cover that. In other words, are you going to tax everybody? Make, not to cut you off, but make me understand this. If you printing money... What the fuck difference does it make? Well, like if I had a money printer, yeah. <laughs> I like print you know, some. <laughs> I, I just print some fucking money, man, and just go yeah. get it. You feel me? Like what? 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 What puts you in in debt when you fucking print the money? And I may be stupid for for, for asking that question, but I don't understand. I yeah. print fucking money. I well, got money coming well, out the, the ass. The more you print, in layman's terms, the more you print, the less value that paper gonna have. So, for example, Venezuela went from being one of the richest countries with oil coming out the ground. Yeah, but that's that's just this country, Chingo. That's that's fucking uh, making the denomination of numbers. You know, putting putting the numbers on currency. You feel me? Cause look at this, like the Iraqi dinar. That shit ain't worth the penny right now. Okay, but if you look at at, at the money that 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 uh, 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 in spots like, let's say London. Uh, London, Kuwait, you know, that like that money, they putting the do- denominations on these dollars and they making them higher. But it's, it's just it's just a number yeah, printed on a fucking piece of paper, you know? Well, I'll give you the, the, the best example I could. One of our biggest, quote-unquote, exports is the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar, dollar is the standard across the globe. Um, everybody got to translate their stuff according to us. It's like we're the ruler, like the, we're the measurement, right? Now... The way that happens, the way we kind of sustain it, the way we, like, export our dollar is you have, like, Japanese and different countries, they got to buy, like, government bonds or whatever off our dollar. Well, they already got enough that they want. They don't want no more. So the problem is once China and, like, Saudi Arabia, whoever, steps away from the dollar, Uh now you can't just print it. Now you got to back it up. Now you got to print it and say, okay, how do we balance this? Do we tax people? Like, what are we going to do? You know, especially if our, um, if we're not producing as much as a country, if we're not exporting. Because right now, China's strategy is they flooding us with all their influence. They flooding us with all their products. You know what I mean? All that manufacturing, both Republicans and Democrats sold us out. They propped up China and their government, and they sent all them jobs and shit. We don't make damn near anything no more. Yeah, and that... Really is a great segue to one of the points that I wanted to make. Americans, specifically conservatives, brag about being patriotic. They brag about how important the flag is. Respect the flag. Respect the flag. Mm -hmm. (laughs) USA, USA, USA. And every chance they get, they're cutting deals with China to have their products manufactured in China. 
they taking jobs overseas mm-hmm. away from Americans and then they're blaming immigrants. They're blaming black people. They're blaming everybody but the people that's in control mm-hmm. that's pulling the strings. Yeah. Yep. How does knowing this translate into continued support for this party? Yeah. So, and, I, and I'm not and I'm not even saying that the Democrats are any better. I'm just trying to get an understanding <clears> of <throat> why how is it that you can play both sides of the fence? How is it that a person, not you specifically, yeah, yeah, yeah. but how does a person play both sides of the fence? On one hand, you say you you're all about USA, it's America first. Uh respect meanwhile, the flag. Meanwhile, they're selling us out. Meanwhile, you're sending jobs overseas and you're paying for your products. And you, you, you're getting services from China. Mm-hmm. How does that work out? So my thing is this. I'm not one of those diehard Republican this, oh my Man, I'm lifelong Democrat. I voted Republican one time. Now, what I'm for learning... Donald Trump? Yeah. So the first time I didn't vote for him. <laughs> hold on. Hold on, Scarface. So check this out. Let me try to uh, answer your question. So the way I look at this Republican Party is you got what they call rhinos. Right? The warmongers, the globalists, they call them neocons. They sold us out. They work, they working with Democrats, some, to sell us out. There's good Democrats too. So they call that the Uniparty, right? Uniparty. They, they work in, in cahoots. So those are the called the rhinos, a Republican in name only. Only they're in name not, only. They're not America first. Now you got a handful of the new cats that are like not your traditional Republican. For example, JFK was Democrat, right? By modern day standards, they might try to consider him a Republican just because mm. he was like pro Second Amendment and mm. some of the shit he stood for. Uh, they probably like he wouldn't really fit in. So I feel like a lot of the extremes in the Democrat Party push me away. Yeah, but the thing about the thing about JFK is what's consistent about him uh, that is uh, similar to other Democrats is that. He was at least appeared to be for black people, like black people's interests. At least act like he cared about black people's interests. If you act like you care about black people's interests, by default, you are a Democrat right now. Right now. You're a Democrat. You gotta if you act like you care about black people or you care or you care about the poor, automatically you're gonna fall into the democratic. Category. Yeah, that's their marketing. That's automatic. That's their market. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And the Republican market is fuck the blacks, you know, fuck the poor, <laughs> you know, like uh, uh, bootstrap. Uh, it's all about, you know, going out there and working for what you want. Meanwhile, they're taking all of the benefits that come from the government, anything free, Republicans getting it. They're getting the tax breaks, you know, they're getting all of this free stuff that they complain about others getting. And the reason why I suspect that they complain is because they don't want to share the free shit that they're getting, you know? So I just, I'm still trying to get to, like, the aha moment where you, like, started to say Trump is my guy because Mm -hmm. just the, the propaganda piece, just the propaganda piece alone wouldn't sway me one way or the other because I know both sides play the propaganda yeah. game. Yeah. Like, the Democrats play the propaganda game. You know, they they skew the message. And the Republicans do the same thing. 
the way Fox takes stuff and oh, yeah. mold oh, it and shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Fox is owned CNN by the Murdochs. CNN does the same thing. Yeah, Fox C- is owned by the Murdochs. And Fox, if you notice, they didn't cover the election audits. So yeah. a lot of Republican and conservative people or MAGA... They didn't... Co- they didn't... The, the they, election audits... Basically, like, for example, in, in uh, Arizona, you yeah. had, like, state senators. Yeah, no. That whole thing, like, they wouldn't even... They wouldn't even address it, you know. They owned by Rupert yeah. Murdoch and the Murdoch kids, so that, they Australian. They out to make money. Uh, a dude named Mike Lindell that owns that My Pillow company, he wanted to piece of shit too. Well, I, I I like him. You do? Yeah, I, I what love do you him. like about him? Man, I, I'm reading his book right now. This dude went from a crackhead to a CEO, and I feel like his book could help a lot of people with addiction and all that. Like, but can't you like the book without liking him? I mean, I really, do, I really do like him. I mean, I, what's bad about him? Well, he's a racist. Michael does racist. Definitely is. How is he racist? Yeah, you didn't. You, you hadn't heard it. Huh? What do you do? I hadn't heard. What did Michael Dell do? The pillow guy. <coughs> yeah, he, he's he, he has a, he's no ma- shit. He's made some some interesting oh, statements. But yeah, so so. Okay, I hadn't heard that. <laughs> so I, I know that if he don't like me, he damn sure ain't gonna like. Damn, okay. Yeah, and how, and how does that... Uh, explain to me how this works. Yeah, it's a lot down like, like, like when you <laughs> when, when you switched over and said, man, I'm riding with Trump. Yeah. You must have called hell from your own people. Some, yeah, a lot. A lot of them were trolls. A lot of people were like, I'm glad I never used to bump you anyway. Or I never did like you anyway. Or I'm glad I never went to your shit, right? Mm-hmm. But then you have a lot of Latinos that are like, hey, man, you know, we feel that we do need you know, we need America to be a superpower and we need to have a strong economy. Or like, we agree what you're saying. Thank you for speaking up. For example, if Chingo Bling was a place, it might be the Rio Grande Valley. Meaning, it's Mexican as fuck. It's Texan. You know what I mean? It's right there by the border just because of the way I would express myself in my art, right? So the Rio Grande Valley has gone red. Like, they live on the border and they not liking these new border policies. So they got a Republican mayor now in the in the, uh, McAllen, Texas. A lot of their counties. So how do how do they not like the the how do how, how can a, they not like that? It's affecting them uh, adversely, negatively. Like so, but you you would vote for Republican. Those are the main motherfuckers that's trying to to to, to seal the borders, bro. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, because so how do, how we do, got fentanyl coming through that border. We got terrorists, a couple, I'm sure, you know, all kind of people from all over the place. We so, don't even know. So how, how? But how do you? We got to at least know. But how, how do how do you rationalize you uh, and so millions of other uh, people of Mexican descent arriving in the U.S. some by illegal means getting over here and then saying? Okay, not y'all, not right y'all, way. not yeah, y'all. Yeah, yeah, y'all, yeah. y'all. Everybody else got to come the right way. Yeah. Even though me and my family and all of us, we got over here illegally. Yeah. Well, I'm the, I'm the, the rest son of y'all. Of him, y'all yeah. got we gonna build this wall to to keep y'all. Yeah, yeah. you know how well, do you how you rationalize? Yeah, that? it sounds crazy, but you know, especially coming from a son of immigrants. Um, I mean, at, at the end of the day, man, you know, we live here, we pay taxes here. <laughs> I got three daughters. In, in terms, in terms of like, for example. Ain't no country in the world you could just pull up illegally. Like, you can't go to Germany. You can't go <clears throat> damn near nowhere, you know, where you just walk up in and don't nobody ask you, hey, bro, what, what you, who you with? Who, who, what you got? What are your intentions? How long are you going to be here? Like, that's, no, that's no matter true. what, it's going to be some kind of checks and balances. That's true. Now, I would argue that some people, whether it's Wall Street, you know, it's good for them. A lot of these big corporations get cheap labor. Uh, some people get more voters. A lot of people, if you're globalists, 
and you want to just erase borders, a lot of people would love to see, like, man, leave that bitch wide open. Especially if you're China and you want to destabilize America and you just want, like, you don't know who's coming in. It's buku dope coming through because you got these little families and kids and shit, women getting sex trafficked. You got kids coming through there. They, they, they go to Central America and they tell the families, Look, send your children because it's going to be easier to get them in first. Once we get them in the system, they can send back for you. So these kids probably don't even make it. it to me, man, it's just like a, it's just not a good situation. I think it'll be safer for everybody if it's one of those things. Like, for example, how Trump had it. Trump had it to where, yeah, he's an asshole. And yeah, he's firm. And he's telling y'all, y'all going to have to, when you await your court date for your asylum, you got to wait in Mexico. He cut a deal with Mexico, and he said, y'all got to help me put some troops right here, and when he's, we got to send them over there, and they got to wait court date in Mexico City. They not, we're not just going to ship them to Chicago and D.C. and Maryland somewhere, and hopefully they show up for their court date. Because you got MS-13, 18th Street Gang. It's, you know, people competing for, um, for jobs. Like, even in the black community, I mean, there's people that's like, well, I would have got the job, but, you know, Old boy from Guatemala came through, and it just lowers the wages. It affects us. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Here's why I don't agree with the wall. 
yes, we do, do need to protect the resources that we have here. Yes, we, we, we are spread it too thin. We need our shit for us, right? And yes, when immigrants come over here, they do take jobs from black people and other people that's here and who's already paid their dues. Here's why I disagree with the wall, though. I disagree because I don't believe that the wall is going to stop anybody from coming over here because there's deals being cut at the border. There's deals being cut to get people over here. You paid a certain amount of price, you can get in here. So a, a lot of it is just being able to pay the fee. Yes, you, you, it's being having it wide open. More people are coming over, but it's not that those people are not going to come over. It's that those people are coming over without paying. They're coming over and they're circumventing the hustle. They're getting Whoa. around the hustle, the people that are set up shop. A lot of the people... A lot, right now, one, of the re, one of the reasons why a lot, one of the reasons why they're getting over here is be, uh, has a lot to do with border control. The the people who are working at border control, who are selling us our daily, who are getting a, a, a check from the government, from the U.S. government. That's why they just like cocaine and all these other drugs. The reason why this so-called fake war on drugs does not work is because a lot of people who are in position of power, position in, in, in authoritative positions, they are allowing it to happen. They're getting paid under and over the table. This is why you can't stop it. So there is no war on drugs. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> no, you're a, absolutely there's right. There's a war on us. If, there ain't no war on drugs. Yeah, if we want, exactly. <clears throat> especially, especially when the CIA is dropping off that dope so they can get that money for their covert war, covert war in Nicaragua. They was trying to stop communism, and they tortured a DEA agent. Like, I know all about that shit. But, um, but to answer your question about, like, the border, right now the only ones benefiting, the ones that's making buku bread, is the cartels. The cartels are basically Al-Qaeda of Mexico. That's the ISIS of Mexico. They terrorizing my people. You know what I'm saying? They got They making so much money. They tagging people with wristbands, who owes money, who, you got to pay a tax to every region. Um, they're making like millions of dollars a day. And the way they do it is they distract the border border patrol, with like the little families and kids. They'll drop a kid over the fence, boom. You know what I mean? And I hear they got to come pay, play babysitter and you got the Venezuelans. They trying to help this lady from drowning. They processing these people. They got them out there in the heat. They don't know where to put them. Meanwhile, boom, they running that fencing on which comes from China, and speaking of war on drugs, we know who's providing all the fentanyl from China. Basically, China's killing thousands of Americans via fentanyl with this opioid crisis or whatever. They won't do shit about it. We won't. We just keep buying their stuff. And who's allowing it to come over here? It's coming through that border, so yeah, it's, it's, open. it's Americans are allowing it to come over. Whoever here. got that open border, Americans, that's who got it. Open they, border they're, policy. They're allowing it to come over here. I mean, listen, man, th these are the same people who went and found a president in a hole in a desert, <laughs> another president a in, in a whole different country, in a hole somewhere. You think they don't know what's going on? Yeah. You think they can't stop a few people from crossing their own just, border? Just like they couldn't find Osama bin Laden. He's six foot six. With, he had a damn machine. He was on a dialysis machine. <laughs> you know, yeah. they like, oh, we think he's in Afghanistan. He was in Pakistan the whole time. Mm -hmm. 
And we was over there probably for the poppy fields for the heroin. Well, you know, before he, <laughs> before he was over there, he was at the White House. Yeah, you know, we exactly, trained him. You know. The CIA, all these people were trained because uh, the Russians were in Afghanistan. So we had to go. Back then, we called them freedom fighters. Back then, it was like, look, man, these are freedom fighters. We're going to train them. Whoop -de -whoop. Now, fast forward, it's like, well, shit, now they bucking up to us. They well, now they Al-Qaeda. Man, you ISIS. know, I, I was just thinking, man, you know, the, re the Republicans, the tally, I'm sure man. they've reached out to you, right? The Republican Party, they've reached out to you. They had In to. some chapter, some capacity. Yeah, yeah. Not, because, not like, yeah, because not the White House. <laughs> no, no, they, they, it's coming. Because here's the deal, and this is why I say that. You're not one of those type of Republicans who are hard-nosed, hard-assed, you know, who hate this, hate nah, all these people, know. hate these people, hate these people. You are more about policy than people. That what, is what some, well, it sounds like to me that 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 you that you're more in agreement with Republican policies as opposed to uh, saying that I'm only voting Republican because yeah. I don't like these people. I feel like <laughs> I don't I, like these people. Well, I, I'm gonna just say this: not all Republicans. So a lot of them, probably half of them, full of shit. Now, the ones that are America first, those kind of economic policies, I feel benefit the people. Right. So, for yeah. example, George Lopez. He has totally different politics than me. Maybe maybe about two years ago, we might have agreed on most of the stuff, right? But he's over there promoting Governor Newsom as if he's doing a good job. He, he was uh, bending over backwards for Biden. I just can't rock with that. I just feel like, you well, know... First of all, George Lopez is an American treasure. Yeah, you know, I, hey, he's a, he's a great artist. I love his stuff. George Lopez <laughs> is an American treasure. I mean, much better... These he's, opinions he's a, are chingo But he's, he's much, a much better person than Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a horrible person. This is why... And, and listen, some of the Trump policies I could have rocked with, but I don't like Trump as a person because he's a divider. You know, like, he... Listen, right, right now... This country is divided across racial lines. I mean, All kind of lines. I mean, yeah, but... Vax, non-vax, mass, no mass, flag, flags racist, flag that's ain't true. racist. And that's true. Yeah. But especially race every single day. Race is the one thing that don't go away. Race, right? Some of these other things we're going to get past. We're going to get past vaccinations. We're going to get past the, the pandemic. We're going to get past all of that. Race is going to still be an issue. And when you got the leader of the country who is flaming the fire instead of trying to put it out. That's a problem. And that's what Trump did. He flamed the fire. He created more division. I, I like, feel like Obama did he, that. No, I, I think... I, I feel all that stuff started Obama, when Obama came in. It what started... You, it start, you know what like, he... he start, I want to hear what he means. Yeah, okay, go ahead. I feel like we were more unified before Obama. Why? I voted for Obama the I first time. I want to know why we were so more what, unified what did, with what Obama. Did, what did Obama I said more do? divided. No, okay. What did Obama do to create Divided. the division? Man, I felt like, I don't know if it was like the media making it happen, but it just sure did seem like, you know, what happened in Ferguson. It just felt like everything became about race. It was yeah. like we were, became obsessed with race. Meanwhile, yeah. he wasn't doing much for the black community. He That's was more true. worried about the gay community and all the other communities. Yeah. Uh, and he was deporter-in-chief. He deported more people than anybody other president combined. Yeah, and all of that's true. But what is not true is that he created the racial problem, the issue. Because what happened is that people saw uh, an American, an America, that was not the America they grew up loving. 
where white people had all the power and you always looked at a white man as the, the leader of the free world. Now you got a black man. It was, yeah. a, it was cool to be mayor, governor. Yeah, president. That was great. City it's council, cool to be city that, council, yeah. chief of police. But now you got a black president. He's, this is the chief, uh, the commander-in-chief, and he's black. And this is where a lot of white people started losing their fucking minds. That's true. That's what created it. was the jealousy. It was je the jealousy of a black man running this country is what stoked the, the flames. I, I, it, what, I, it was what fanned the flames. In fact, what lit the fire. That's what started it. I, I, was, I would argue that um, a certain percentage of the people that weren't Obama fans may have been for other reasons. You know what I'm saying? Like... Mm. Uh, like, oh, we think he's too socialist, or we think he's a Marxist, or something. Would you, not necessarily race. Let me ask you a question, Go. Would you vote for a president because he's Hispanic? Nah. You would not? Nah, not just because of that. Mm -mm. I like, for example, somebody couldn't just go up there and be like, hey, my name is uh, Jorge Bush III. Vote for me. Or oh, my name is Beto O'Rourke. Vote I for me. I'm coming I for you I hear what guns. you're alluding to, but that, that's not what... People. That's not why people voted for Barack. Barack didn't get voted. Just man, in. he had a lot going a, for him. A lot of black people. He did, pe man. Black people wasn't voting for Barack Obama just because he was black. There's a lot of black people that ran for president before Barack Obama yeah. who was not qualified. And black a people, lot of people really and, and black voted. people totally ignored. No, it's if black people did vote for Barack Obama because he was black. No, that's a lot. Not not Willie, not, 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 not you, Willie. I'm saying not you, Willie. Some, okay, right? yeah, okay. Right. Not you, I didn't Willie. Hear you say some. Man, why you gotta keep on saying the shit like not that? You, not Willie. you, Willie. Because it wasn't <laughs> Willie. Not you, Willie. And why the fuck you looking at me like that, man? You, because when you don't you, know, Hold on, man. Wait a minute. This look like some gangster shit you doing, man. <laughs> Ain't that like <laughs> He looking at me like, I'm not done, you, man. Willie. I'm fucking finished, like, bro. Goddamn, man. <laughs> I done pissed him off. Shit. <laughs> I'm just saying, Willie, like, let me just say what I gotta say, Okay, Willie. go ahead and say what God you gotta damn. say. All right, go ahead. So, a lot of people voted for Barack Obama because he was black. Right. Like, nine mm -hmm. times out of ten, the people did not understand policy whatsoever, and they still don't. You know what I love about Barack? Is that when he was running as a black man, he never once said... I'm a black man. Thank you. Never said it. He never once was like, vote hey, for me because I'm black. But he Finally, also said that he's not the president for black America. He's the president All of America. the United States of America. Yeah. And that's the, with me, I'm going to be the president for black America. Well, I, Because I, I feel I, like... I, Go ahead. I, go ahead. I want to hear what you feel like. Because I'm not. No, I'm not saying shit now. Come on, man. I'm <laughs> no, on your side. You're not see, never see on my saying, side, man. Willie. Context is everything, man. This guy right here, man. Come on, man. Okay, so. You're incurable. This the running joke. It's like the sitcom. This is the running gag. Nah, man, <laughs> go ahead. Let me, let, me, let me hear it, man. Let me I just feel like, you know, I'd be the president for black America because I feel like I know what Black America need, bro. Like yeah. we have been shortchanged so for for for, for so long, and, and we don't get nothing. Face gonna be like, well, first thing we need think, to do is but, but build no, that nobody. Nope. <laughs> nah, nah, the Hispanics. But are if you want to help Black America, it's, man, it's, it's Black and Brown, bro. But you know, I, I hear I hear exactly what you Black and Brown, Brad. Absolutely. I hear exactly what you're saying. But what you're saying is the same thing that all the other white presidents have have said in private. They are or at least done in private, and that's be the president for white America. All right? That's what all these white presidents have done in the past, have been the president for white America, because all of them, including Barack, have upheld white supremacy. So so, so he ain't, so, so this is not, you know, what Donald Trump did is not unique. 
Man, hey, Blackfoot Black used to love Trump, though, before he ran. That's because we didn't understand his policies. Yeah, nigga that's rolling be, that, hard, stacking paper like Trump. But that's, that's because and I ain't give a know, fuck. I told you yeah. that from the jump. But that's because yeah. we didn't know who he was as a person. We didn't know what kind of divider he was, what kind of person he was. When you start telling a police officer, when you put him in the car, you know, just you ain't got to be gentle. You can be a little rough with him, yeah. you know. That, that's dog whistling. Man, he said be, back in the days. That's dog whistling to be rough on black folks. He said back in the days we would have we would have beat him up. Who was he talking about? He was talking about uh, the the protesters at his rallies. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. yeah and, I, I, and, and, and look uh-huh. at how he used his power when he was going in. When any time that was a situation where black people were protesting or whatever, it was sending the troops do whatever you got to do. Bring. Bring order immediately. Yeah, law and order, yeah, law and order. Yeah, the law and order president. But when the white folks were storming capitals and all that, he was sitting back chilling. When the white folks was tearing up Portland, when the white folks was blending in with black folks, talking about George Floyd, and it was like, why are you spray painting? There was like peaceful, you know, Black Lives Matter folk, and it's like, who are y'all dressing all black with the umbrellas? Don't they they was trying to, uh, they was trying to fire that shit up. Yeah, that to, was Antifa. That was a Marxist. What they was trying. Well, you know, it, it's so crazy though, man. Because when people got on those masks and stuff, you don't know who they who they represent. Yeah, you don't you know. know I, 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 I know who they don't represent. I saw police officers riding around with a tr- with a whole truck full of bricks, and all the bricks looked exactly alike. Yeah. What, no you telling, know, man. during the protest. Man, what, what are they riding question, around with Willie. a truck? What, what is the police? What are police officers That's doing? Crazy, yeah. Riding around, They're trying to fire this with shit a up. Truck full of bricks. I feel like the media was so against Trump that he's damned if you do, damned if you don't. For example, somebody might give you statistics like, man, he gave the most millions to HBCUs, you know, more than Barack did. Uh, uh, Barack was burning feet. That, that transaction has not been completed yet. Oh, he hadn't given Damn a bread. Damn it, really. Yeah. He ain't getting a bread. Okay. No. Um, but like stuff like that, right? Stuff that's like lowest black unemployment. Somebody can look I, at I, it from I, a different angle. I gotta disagree angle. with that shit, man. I gotta disagree with that. I don't. The lowest black employment was because of Trump. No, no, no. It was because no, of Barack Obama. That he got I'll the residuals. That. He got the residuals from the Obama administration. He re- the benefits of that shit, in other words. Or, or how about this? He, like for example, people sometimes ask me, well, "What has he done for the brown community?" And I hit him with general stuff, and it, it throws him off because like, I thought you was going to talk about immigration. We've been trained to be single-issue voters. We've been trained to only worry about immigration, DACA, Dreamers, uh, uh, amnesty. However, if I hit somebody with a statistic like, well, you know, you know, the dollar was strong or anything. Yeah, but what the fuck does that have to do with Donald Trump? Well, uh, okay, hold on. Let's just say, um, I-, I lost my train of thought, but let's just say, let's just say tr- I was to give a statistic on something general. Good. Like, for example, I mean, shit. You know, just something good that's in general. Like, we ain't no new wars or something. It's like, what they got to do with Mexicans? I'm down with that. Yeah, like, what they got to do with Mexicans and our people? It's like, you live here, you're American, we got some peace. You know what I'm saying? You know what it is, Chingo? I almost called you Pedro. Hey, hey, that's all good. (laughs) My my government name. But but That shit ain't funny, Willie. (laughs) That's my government name. I know, but it's still, though, like, yeah. I don't give a damn. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm the third. (laughs) My granddaddy. Now you're making me lose my train of thought. That's my fault. I think the reason why a lot of us uh, people in this country who are not white think along the the single issue line oftentimes, like immigration or black or unemployment, whatever, uh, 
Oh, oh, well, not, not un unemployment, but, uh, you know, racial discrimination. And that is because this is something that we wake up with every day that don't go away. These, this is one of the first challenges that we, are, when we wake up, we have to face. White folks don't have to worry about that shit. That's why they can focus on, well, what about my money? Well, what about what's going on? We need a wall over there for the border. We need to, they can think about other shit that they don't have to think of. They don't have to wake up thinking about race. They don't have to think of waking about, wake up thinking about a green card. They don't have to wake up thinking about all of these, these type of things that, that, that other people in this country wake up daily thinking about mm -hmm. because they got this, they got it made in the shade. Got citizen no privilege. Uh, I'd argue that I have more free speech than a white man does. It's some shit I could say a white man can't say. No, <laughs> say something but, that a white but, man can't say. Uh, I mean, arguably, right? If a white man says anything like, hey, we got to be America first, we got to make it great again. When was it ever great? What you mean great? Are you talking about back when, you know, they were spraying people down in the road with hoses and putting sick and dogs on? Is that what you mean great? Yeah, you know, it's like, I'm, exactly just, saying, what you mean I'm great. just saying great again. Like, well, when? When was it great? When was it great for us? It's almost like, you know what? I'm going to just be quiet. Yeah. And, when was America no, no, great for the Hispanic community? I want to know. When was it great for the Hispanic community? Is it now? Um, probably, yeah. Actually, yeah, I'd argue that now is probably the best time. Only because I feel like, man, it's 2021. We've come a long way. I, you know. Man, we still the ain't came there fountain, yet. The we only water fountain I can't drink out of is the vaccinated water fountain. That's the only one I'm not allowed. Uh, <laughs> the fuck, man? In New York, man, they got the you got to go around back, pick up your food. You can't sit at the lunch <laughs> counter, man. If you they got the vax or you unvax, you can't walk in without showing your papers. You got to show ID and vax passport. Wow. In New York, and they just they just uh, nullified it in California. They tried to pass it. it they can't pass through. it here. It didn't go through. Yeah. And if wow. they did, Hot Wheels say nah. Hot Wheels. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You went to a, a private preparatory school in New Jersey. Yes, sir. <laughs> what was that? What was that experience like? And what city was that? Uh, Heightstown, New Jersey. That's uh, like near twenty-four Princeton. minutes, about twenty-five minutes from Trenton. Probably, yeah. Yeah, that's, I don't remember. That's, that's close to Trenton. You heard of Heightstown? Yeah. What? No yeah. shit. It's a little yeah. bitty town. Yeah. So I grew up here. Um, I went to a Highland Middle School off of six ten. It was like a magnet vanguard program. This lady showed up. She had 15 letters for 15 minority students, right? And the letter basically said, hey, we're going to have a, a seminar. Bring your parents so we could talk to you how you can go to this prep school and maybe get a full ride. All so, my, was it ac- it, so it was academic? It wasn't, pretty, it was, it wasn't sports? Nah, hell nah. I'm not athletic like that. Okay. It was more like... It's called ABC, A Better Chance. So it's this organization. ABC. I like yeah, that. All right, all right. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And I think Oprah donate. A lot of people yeah. were donating to that organization. So anyway, all my friends, I was like, man, you seen this? It's like out of state by ourselves. Hell no. Nah. Everybody ripped it up. I crumbled mine up, put it in my backpack. I get home. Sometime, somehow my nosy ass older sister, she went through, found a paper. And she's like, oh, what is this? I was like, ah, uh, it's out of state. Prep school. Nah, she I'm said good. that in Spanish, right? Nah, nah. She said it in English. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, so we went. We went to the to the little seminar. You got this old white man in front of this podium showing us these pictures of these beautiful campuses, saying, "We know the Hispanic community is tightly knit. Y'all might not want to send y'all son or daughter, but it's a good opportunity." Whoop de whoop. So I purposely didn't fill out the application on time because I didn't want to go. I was 12 years old. I'm not going to go live somewhere far by myself. So my sister remembered, again, my nosy-ass sister. She still be on my ass to this day. She's like, oh, look, it looks like you just missed the deadline. I'm like, yeah, sorry. And she's like, well, let me call them. See what they say. She got on the phone. Hey, my little brother's here. Looks like he didn't turn it in. They're like, she, they say you got to finish the essay and answer them questions, and I'm going to do the other part, like the basic Social Security number shit, and we're going to see. So I got into this one school in North Carolina called Asheville. They didn't give me a full ride, and then I got into this other school called Petty in Heightstown, New Jersey. They gave me the full ride. I'm little bitty, man. I'm just about to turn 13. I ain't never washed my own drawers. Like, I'm like, I need my parents to remind me to do my homework. How's this going to work? So they said, look, we're going to fly out with you. We got to leave. But in case you don't like it, at least you tried it, and then fuck it, you drop out, we bring you home, you go to Milby High or something. And I'm like, all right. Actually, I was going to Booker T. Washington. Like, I was in the um, the pre, like the pre-program, but right before school started, and they pulled me out of that because I went to New Jersey. So we get there, culture shock. Where I grew up on the Southeast, I wasn't around, it was just minorities. I went around white people. I'd never seen a Jewish person. I didn't know nobody from Asia. I get out there... They're listening to music I never... I was listening to y'all. I get out there, I'm listening to some other shit. I'm like, what the hell is this? 
they had more gardeners than teachers. I mean, the campus was beautiful. And um, so in the beginning... They had more gardeners than teachers. Yeah, they would brag about that shit too, like uh, manicured lawns. So the first year and a half, two years, I felt like a like a, a lab rat. I felt like I was only there as a quota. I felt like I was only there to make the rich kids experience... At 13 years old. Yeah, I felt like I was making the rich kids experience more authentic. Like, we even have some Mexicans here. We got like... Puerto Ricans, we got a handful of black kids. And those were all my friends. Cause we clicked up. It was like, where you from? And I'm from Miami. Where you from? I'm from Philly. Where you from? I'm from Brooklyn. Kind of music you like, you know, I listen to this, this, and this. Bet, you know, we finna sit at the same lunch table because I don't know what these people are talking about. So maybe around like junior year, my mind clicked and I started telling myself, you know what? Yeah, you might be here on scholarship, but all this is here for you. Like, you deserve all this. This is here for you just like anybody else. Take advantage. You know what I mean? Be a leader. Get more involved. So, boom. I now became like the um, like the resident assistant in the dorm. Like, if the, the freshman needed some help, I'm there. It's like, hey, man, I'm the so senior. So, you stayed there for a long-ass time. I did four years. Four years? Four, I did all four years. Now, you, yeah. you, you said that you felt like you was a lab rat and you was there to make a quota. Did you come to this revelation Later in life, or did you was you cognizant of that while you was cognizant. 13 years old? <laughs> no, nah, I think at the time, I, I just had a little chip on my shoulder. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I just, like, insecure. You insecure, you young. You don't know no better. It's all in your perspective. It's all how you look at it. So if you want to walk around like, man, these motherfuckers don't understand me because I'm Mexican. Or you see how he asked, you saw how the teacher asked me that question? You know what I mean? Uh, and somehow, some way, I just say, you know what? Let's let's make some friends, you know, let's enjoy the ride, let's take advantage. Mm-hmm. And then that became like it it became from I don't want to be here, I'm like depressed and homesick to I think I want to apply to colleges out here cuz all my friends staying out here and damn, I'm a miss y'all, I don't want to leave. So now I'm applying to them colleges, my my family's like, "No. You got to apply to these Texas colleges." You're like, got <laughs> you did four, come closer. So then I went to San Antonio for college. Cause I didn't still didn't want to be like all up under my parents, so I was like, eh, I don't want to do U of H. That's why I started DJing, and that's where I was going. And then you started DJing, and then and how did you get to rap, man? So, all right, so I was going to uh, Trinity University. Somehow I stumbled across they got a radio program on camp. What it, man? I was like, what is this? We got a radio station. Like, yeah, it's um, it's public radio. It's college radio. And you could take some classes, but you got to have a minor in communications. And and I was like, can I have a, a hip-hop show? They're like, well, you got to take the classes and maybe pitch it. So I went to the program director, and I was like, hey, I want to do a hip-hop show. He's like, okay, well, how's Sunday night? I'm like, shit, motherfucker say yes. So next thing you know, they're bumping us on campus. Now they're bumping us in the city. We were on a Sunday night with all the Mexicans, the whole hood. Southside San Antonio, that's when they were cruising their cars on Military Drive. So I was playing the local up-and-coming artists. I had, like, this is what I would do. I would go to Southwest Wholesale, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd go meet with, like, Robert Gilliman or Ghetto, and I'd go get some posters from my prize my prize box so I can be like, hey, calling number nine, you win, whoop de whoop I'd get singles from artists. No so shit. I was just observing as a, as a college student, like, mm-hmm. yo, people getting deals. People out here hitting the road, they doing promo. So then in San Antonio, I came up with a hustle where I'd hit the record stores and I'd hit like up and coming, 
labels from from Houston, like let's say Big Pokey got a project coming out, and I'd mm-hmm. hit Chevis Entertainment or somebody, just labels that might not even be around anymore, mm-hmm. right? And I would make these displays with the posters. I'd cut them out, kind of like a uh, lump here in Houston. I don't know if y'all remember lump. So I'd put up the posters and shit, and I'd try to get some bread out the labels. Like, hey man, you know I can hit, I can make these displays and whoop de woo, and um. So then our college radio show started blowing up more. We started, like, I'd get interviews with, like, Big Mo, rest in peace, mm-hmm. little flip stop by, you know, people coming by freestyling. And from there, and from there, um, you know, I just started, like, thinking, okay, maybe this could be, uh, maybe I can get my foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Just be a DJ, maybe get distribution, do, like, like DJ Clue had his mixtape album. I'm like, I don't know. So at what point do you pick up the pen and start writing these Lyrics and going to the studio. Well, I went Ooh. from so good question. Um, I would freestyle on the radio from time to time, but I started networking with the local studios, and I would basically say, "Hey, man, I could do some funny shit. Man, let me do some characters, some voices. Let me y'all need a skit. You ain't got no skits on y'all, man. You ain't got an intermission. Oh man, look, check. This. Let me just jump in if you don't like it, delete it. And they'd be laughing and they'd be like, "Man, what the fuck was that? I did this one character and I was like, "Yo, when I do that, that's Chingo Bling." And they're like, "What?" I was like, that's Chingo Bling. They're like, man, what the hell? They, they were laughing at the name. I was like, okay, I got something. So I started doing skits for local artists. And then um, and then, and then they invite me to rap on some shit. I'll do a funny little rap. Next thing you know, I got enough freestyles and raps to put out a demo. That turns into a mixtape. Next thing you know, I got two mixtapes. Next thing you know, I'm hitting another flea market, another flea market. My family start backing me up. Now we got the P.O. box. Now we somebody ordered a shirt in Oregon. People on Napster uploading my stuff. So the high school kid, like my humor was like eighth grade high school type of humor. You know what I mean? So the kids was loving it. And that's how it spread. So when do you bring the tamale game in? Uh, I would say early, like as soon as I started. Because I didn't want to rap about Gangsta shit because it wasn't really real to me. You know, I went to prep school. I went to college. <laughs> I'm not and out there selling Boarding school at that. Boarding school, exactly. Damn. Boarding school. So my dad would sell tamales at work. My mom would make them. So I just found that little parallel where it's like, and at the end of the day, that's one way you can always pull, your, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like, that's a hustle. Like, worst case scenario, you could always go get some masa, some pork. You could whip that shit some up. Masa and some masa and some pork. You can say tamales, not tamales, it's tamales. Tamales. How you say it? Tamales. I just told you how to say it, man. <laughs> Willie, stop. God damn, man. This, <laughs> this is what I'm talking about, tamales. bro. <laughs> tamales. Tamales. <laughs> Willie, you're not hitting me. How you say it, dog? <laughs> tamales. Okay, I got it. And I'm saying, you I'm said saying it like you're trying to score on the low. Hey, man, you got some tamales. <laughs> you got tamales. <laughs> <laughs> so now. <laughs> Everybody, you're rapping. Everybody knows you. You know, at least around here, people know who you are. You got a, you got regional, some regional success and all that <laughs> stuff. And you know, people are learning who you are. You know, nationally. So, so at what point you say, okay, I think I want to do comedy now. Oh man, well, comedy was maybe about six years ago, and I just got the opportunity. Music was kind of slow. You know what I'm saying? The game had changed. Record stores had gone away. Yes. Yeah, uh, the streaming programs are screwing us with this .001 of a penny. Um, even though, thankfully, my old catalog still brings in some bread every month. Thankfully. But I just felt like I was uh, burnt out. That's the best way to describe it, man. I was just like, 
I was fed up with like janky promoters. I just, the way my business was being run at the time, I found myself like almost like getting down on myself when some of the shit wasn't even my fault. Like say I'm in Nebraska doing a show somewhere and I'm like, why they got 10 opening acts? Why the sound sound like this? Like this ain't what I signed up for. You know, I don't want to be here. This shit is lame. And I just started stepping away from like, you know what? I'm not doing no more shows. I'm not dealing with no more promoters. So when does the comedy buzz hit you? When does it hit you? So about, so about six years ago, my buddy, I had already started doing YouTube. I had already started doing skits, like slowly just going viral in different mm-hmm. ways. So I, I was slowly building that bridge. Yeah. A buddy of mine, he's like, hey, man, I'm going to start putting together these comedy shows. And I was like, man, that shit is hard because I had tried it one time at that point. Man, that shit's scary, bro. I bombed. And he's like, all right, well, if you ever want to get up, do 10 minutes, you know, bring you some merch or something, you know, make it worth your time and give it a shot. And I was like, yes, absolutely. I would love to just try and practice. And uh, just started peeping the scene, just expanding, like, my network, just dealing with different kind of artists. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, you just go from one type of ego to a different type of ego. (laughs) So where's the first comedy spot you played? Um, or, or just yeah. a place, period. Where did you go tell the first public joke? Uh, I think when I was hosting, I hosted an event. I did terribly. Um, I think it's kind of like Third Ward Midtown. It's called um, Red Cat Red Jazz. Cat yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's the yeah. first time I ever went up there and, um, and tried it. And I, I was naive. I was like, I've seen this shit done before. I'm a fan of <laughs> I'm a fan of comedy. I got some ideas. Yeah. And you go up there and you just don't know that there's different variables. Like, look, man, this is how you should have treated this room and this audience. You just didn't know no better. It's right. not that you suck. It's just you didn't you didn't know. So you slowly start to get that wisdom. So when you jumped on stage for the first time, you did you you watched. You was a fan of comedy, but you didn't study the acts, how they got on stage, how they delivered their stuff, and you didn't talk to them, any of that. You just jumped on stage and did your thing. Yeah, I'd have to say, yeah, the first yeah. time hosting like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, because I did the same thing with rap and got my ass booed to... Oh, shit. <laughs> Damn. Hawaii or Hey, joke's on them. Yeah, absolutely. Them. So, your first, your first gig, you did 10 minutes? Well, because normally I, y'all do five. You start off with five minutes in comedy. Well, the very first time I was hosting, so I was having to go up a couple minutes here, okay, a couple so minutes he, there. So yeah, right. I wasn't ready for all that. Right. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, further down the road when I started taking it a little bit more serious, I understood. Look, man, just try to get you a five minute little set or something yeah. that works, that's polished, that's edited, it's effective, and then build from there. Mm-hmm. And then slowly you can start editing, taking stuff out, rearranging. Yeah. I, I love it, though, man. I, it's it's a rush, man. It's such a high. You love it over hip-hop? I love performing comedy more than performing music. Yes. Me too. Yeah. And, and it has a lot to do with the fact well, you, that... You uh, can't tell jokes, man. That's your, bullshit, your jokes are horrible, man. Man, man I'm way funnier man. than you, bro, and you just man, won't admit it. Give, give me one. Give me a one joke. <laughs> Hit us nah, one nah, one. man. You ain't... Give me one joke. I dare you. I dare you to tell one joke that'll make people laugh. Give me one. Just one. I, I just had millions of jokes in the world. Give me one. Okay. That was his truck driver, right? And he had a, a sidekick with him. 
And he was trying to get this job, right? So he going in and, and, and into the spot, man. He like, man, I got to, you know, I got my buddy with me. Got to go. He said, well, we only need one truck driver. We can't use two. He said, well, me and Leroy, we've been driving together for 17 years, and I just can't see me riding without Leroy. A white man said, uh, okay, well, it's a shortage of truck drivers, so here's the test. You're going down a 180-degree drop. Your brakes go out. It's a 2,000 drop on both sides of the bridge, and it's a truck jackknife. Across the bridge, you're doing 98 miles an hour. Quick. What's the first thing you're going to do? They say, well, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to wake up old Leroy. They say, well, why you going to do that? They say, because me and Leroy have been riding together for 17 years. He ain't never seen no motherfucking wreck like we fixing to have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just better than him, bro. <laughs> he just won't admit it. Oh, man. <laughs> <clears throat> what the fuck, man? We're checking his phone now. Everybody. So one time, there was this dude, right? He was drunk. Today's date, August 31st, the year 2021, our Lord, Scarface, Brad Jordan just told the worst fucking joke in the history of jokes. There you go. Okay, go ahead. So that's one time, Willie. That's just one of many. I know you got way more. I got way more. Please, man, spaz, spaz, man. Let's let's hear a joke from a professional. Ah, What was your first joke? Did can you remember the first one that you got him with? I mean, you got him. Oh man, I had I had a couple. Um, I told a joke about smoking weed with Be Real in California. And, um, you know, I thought it wasn't shit. I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Shit. Y'all got fire? We got fire. Hit that motherfucker. And then me and my homeboy, when we left, we had the train stop. We had the, we had the train stop. I'm feeling like the weed didn't affect me, right? I smoked weed before. This ain't nothing. <coughs> now, it's nighttime. We're at the train stop. The train's passing. I'm in the driver's seat. My boy right here. All of a sudden, we start hearing loud rumble. I'm like, man, the trees are shaking. There's a cop behind us now. God damn. So now we nervous. The cop hitting his lights on the train. He's hitting the lights on the train. I look at my homeboy I'm like, man, whatever it is, bro, this shit out there is trying to get us. So I realized, man, I had my the car in park, my foot on the gas. It was, the RPMs was, man, it was me. I was high. <laughs> <laughs> I was high, I didn't know. But yeah, I cut, I cut that joke. I cut that joke. That's one of my little beginners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just hard to tell one-liners and shit when you ain't really on stage. <laughs> so 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 this this didn't happen for real. It's just something. No, nah, yeah, no, it did. That was that happened for real. It, it did. A lot of my stuff, it has to have some truth to it. You know how they say it's funny because it's true. And a lot of yeah. comedians, shit don't be funny because it ain't true. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause you just can't perform it the same way if it ain't really happening. Right. Just like in rap, I guess. Yeah. Tingo Blame, man. It's been a beautiful... I got another joke, Willie. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, man. 
Go ahead, man. So that was this this kid, right? This old man had this dog, man. This dog was a, just a, a, a trained fucking killer, man. He fucking kill anything, right? And um, he took his dog into the bar, and they got a drink. And he was telling the bartender about his dog. He said, man, I, I got a little boy that's going to be crossing here about 15 minutes. Got a little orange dog. Said, I bet you he can't beat him. He said, bullshit. And then, you know, show sure as shit stink. 15 minutes later, here come this little boy with this little orange dog. Man, he said, Rover, kill. Dog ran out there, man, jumped up over that little boy dog, man. The little boy dog looked up at him and cut him in half. He picked up both pieces of his dog, and he was like, man, this was the, the champion breed of Malinois. They don't, little boy, what kind of dog is that you got? He said, well, before I cut his tail and painted him orange, he was an alligator. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn! Give me the goddamn phone. It is the year, twenty twenty one year of our Lord. Twenty twenty one, our Lord, at four sixteen p.m. on August thirty first. Scarface out there. Scarface so. just told the second worst motherfucking joke I've ever heard in my life. Man. Don't Documentary. Do that no more, man. that guy's do that a no fucking hater, man. <laughs> <laughs> Chingo, how can people get in contact with you, man? Man, I'm on Instagram at Real Chingo Bling. My website's ChingoBling.com. But yeah, all them other pages, you just, you know, go. Man, we really appreciate you coming. Man, out, thank man. you guys, man. man and and, and thank fuck, you for man. your contribution, man. You know, you you you're a very unique individual. One of very my favorite ta- people in the very, world. Very bro. talented. Every time. And a good dude, man. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe you're fucking a fucking Trump supporter, Trump supporter bro. It's just fucking oh, hard. I, I, that's, I that's, why, that's why I said they're gonna try to kid me. That's why I said they're gonna reach out to you, bro, because you're not that standard, you know, like, and that's the one, yeah. that, you're not stereotypical, Mitt Romney. and that's one of the hard things about them with their sale, with their pitch, is that, you know, they're missing a whole lot of people because of that, uh, that one direction that they have, they're missing a whole lot of people, and they're gonna, they're gonna come Mitt, for you. Mitt, Mitt Romney's gonna be the president, bro. When? Soon? Hell no. Man, Biden, man, Biden. Okay, Trump, Biden. If Trump was president, bro, anybody can be president. I'm telling you, man. Like, Joe Biden, man, listen, let me let me say this, man, and then we can take this out. But... Kamala finna be president. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> but listen did, to bro. what I'm saying, bro. Like, Afghanistan got people coming into the United States, yeah? They coming here. Dude... We gonna have to be mindful that a motherfucker can just walk into the goddamn mall and just detonate. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, they they keep. I'm gonna say this real quick because uh, I know y'all got stuff to do. But um, they keep saying the war ended. No, they the war has begun. The war, the just, war has begun. Yeah. So they they created a terrorist state over there. It's gonna spill over to Pakistan. Uh, China already back in the Taliban. So is Russia. Um, oh shit. Pakistan's gonna bring that pressure to India. That's one of our allies. China don't like India because they they kind of neighbors. Uh, China's over there trying to get the mining rights for the lithium that we need for electric vehicle batteries, which our leadership is sending them jobs over there as well. Um, and then, so Afghanistan, they surrounded by Russia, Iran, Pakistan, 
You know what I'm saying? A bunch of gang of motherfuckers don't like us. Um, us. So, so, for example, let's just say I'm China. I don't like America. I'm going to go holler at my, po- my boy Taliban. Hey, man, what's up, bro? Man, what's up? Talk to you, man. Hey, what's up, China? Hey, you, you fuck with them? Man, hell no. I, I don't like that white boy. Cubs, man, man, they Christian. They Western Christian tradition. We don't like that shit. Bet, man, check this out, man. Y'all got the minerals, huh? Yeah, that's that lithium. Okay. Y'all want to be in charge of this government? You know what I'm saying? Y'all want to be... Man, look, we'll have you to where you respect it on the world stage, bro. Y'all can have Sharia law. Y'all can spread that shit. But I need to put this battery in your back so you throw the rock at America and China sitting back here like this. So basically what America has done uh, throughout history. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) she can go bling. And and also for the record, man, if Tulsi Gabbard, the Democrat, had gotten a nomination, she probably would have gotten my vote. This episode was produced by A-King and brought to you by the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.